You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. You go see God, and then you come right on back and know exactly what you got to do. I'm also encouraged that uh, the Lord is uh, doing great things if you turn. uh, First of all, I mean, just the program itself. uh, Hey, this was designed by none other than Tim Kernan, former London disciple right there, amen? So there's a little glory in the Lord right there for London. And uh, he's got this incredible, incredible uh, cover there. And uh, as you open it on up, you see the different speeches. But I was encouraged by the third page, uh, by uh, the title of the workshops that are called The Mighties Who Aspire to Leadership. And of course, uh, you know, we've got uh, Bolder Than a Lion by Vic Gonzalez Jr., who leads our church in Mexico City. Uh, But what inspired me, uh, of course, was to see that underneath mighty men accomplishing mighty deeds, and mighty women accomplish mighty deeds, amen, uh, there is, of course, a Ricky and Colleen Chaloner. And uh, of course, Ricky uh, was a a teen uh, study uh, who wound up becoming a disciple when we led the teen ministry. And Colleen was the only sold out teen girl in the church at the time, and yet they lead the church now in Portland, Oregon. Uh, So that's inspirational, but uh, if you skip down underneath them, under student leadership, you will see that none other uh, than Kia Pope is on the program right there. She is going to be preaching the word with Danilo Batgalina right there. I probably messed up his name, and he's going to have to forgive me once I get there. But uh, it's so encouraging, of course. The Lord has put uh, Colton Rohn there at the bottom. You'll see uh, Colton, who leads uh, Boston. He once led uh, the campus ministry right here. And then, uh, of course, they slipped me right in there in the middle. God is doing great things. So grateful uh, for all the disciples that have served here in London and that God is raising up leaders right there. Amen. We've got to make a fuss about some of those visiting today, and we've got to make more of a fuss than just kind of a, uh, we've we, we got to get excited. Number one, uh, Ashley Robinson from New York City, where is she at right there? She's with us right there. She's going to be with us for a few weeks, and uh, of course, uh, she has uh, come back. She was here early uh, when the Remnant Group was here, and uh, she's come back here to London. She's so uh, she. You love Ashley's smile or encouragement, so make sure you wrap your arms around her. She is single. Brothers, ask around on a date. Amen. Okay. Uh, we also have to welcome back, uh, of course, uh, I, I'm, I'm very encouraged. I, I spent the entire fellowship break talking to her. That is, of course, our sold-out teen disciple right there, Simone right there. She went over to Portland, Oregon to the teen camp right there, and uh, I was talking to my wife, and she says, Simone has got all kinds of ideas about what we are going to do to baptize and to get some more teens baptized into this church right there. And uh, who, who better to lead that than someone who has an incredible example? After all, she's a singer. She's an actress. Uh, she's strikingly beautiful, and uh, she, she's just got this incredible faith in God, and uh, it's very special that God has given us a young woman like that here in the church, so we've got to make sure we wrap our arms around her uh, right there. Amen? And, uh, of course, uh, we've got Mama Kukoya right there. Now, Michael's voice was failing him right there, but I, I just had to come and reannounce Mama Kukoya is in the house. And uh, she's got these chocolate cakes right there that I tell you, man, I've sinned eating those chocolate cakes. I mean, she brought one. She, she made me a whole chocolate cake. I ate the whole thing in one night right there. Uh, that was the first time I got open about that, but Amen. <laughs> We've got, we've got to make sure we wrap our arms around Mama Kukoyi. And, uh, yeah, Michelle never saw the cake. She didn't even know we had it. I ate the entire thing. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Ephesians chapter 3. The title of the lesson is, Do You Love God? Do you love God? It's all about God, is it not? If you don't believe it's all about God, he will remind you of that. And for those of you that know that, he will remind you again that it's all about God and you need to love him. In Ephesians chapter 3, God says something to the church there, very powerful. It says, for this reason, verse 14, says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I mean, that is who we kneel before, right, church? From whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I mean, this is our family here on earth. I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that being rooted 
and established in love may have power together with all the saints, with all the disciples, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He says God's love surpasses every kind of knowledge that's out there. He says you can be a Darwinist, you can be a Marxist, but God's love surpasses all of that. See, God's love is above science. God's love is above human intellect. God's love surpasses all knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. See, the, see you got to sing to one another, amen? And of course, that, that, that's a song we sang in L.A. And every time I read that, it just makes me want to sing. See, you know you love God. You know you're on fire for God when you sing to God. Amen. Are you singing this morning? Yes. He said to him, be glory in the church. There's been so much glory in the church. To God be the glory. I mean, there's so much glory. Just, just, just as I look out and I see, see my family, I see so many of you, some of you that have studied the Bible and you've wrestled through things and, and, and you are faithful. To God be the glory. To see our brother Albert, he's sitting in the front row right there. To, 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 to go through his challenges and, and then come back because of the love of God. That's glory to God. To see my sister Jeanette Grinwald. To understand how, 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 how much of a challenge it was for her because she, she just wanted to have a little child that she could show love to. And to see Jock right next to her comforting her. And to see her now with child. To see them pregnant. And we just go, wow, that's glory in God's church right there. Amen. And I, 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 I mean, I could go on and on. I, I, I remember Jamal. Having the faith in the Quran and not the Holy Bible. <laughs> Having hair out to here. You remember that? He couldn't even get through the door. It was little Jamal, but then his hair was bigger than him. And he came walking through the door right there. And he studied the Bible and he got a faith in God. He was homeless. And yet now, standing before the disciples, singing to God, saved, a baptized disciple. Is that not glory in the church, guys? Of course, I can't help but, but see my beautiful wife. I had to get focused this morning. I was focused on my wife. I was like, man, I got a good-looking wife. How in the world did the Lord do that? I, I, got a, I got Thank you, Lord, right there. Thank you, Lord. The Lord will do more than you ask or imagine. Such glory in the church here in London. And he says, glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I love this here. This, this passage moves me because it, it helps me to go, wow, God's love is so deep. He says, to he, he tells the church they got to grasp how wide is the love of Christ. God's love is so wide, it can evangelize the nations in one generation. That's how wide God's love is. Yet there are individuals in churches that go, oh, God's love is not that wide. He can he can evangelize all the nations in one generation. But yes, it is. It's wide enough for all of us to meet together. It's wide enough to go all the way up to, to Ireland right there to grab those disciples that need to know the Lord. It's wide enough to go all the way to Los Angeles, California. God's love is wide enough to save the world. It says how long? God's love is long. God's love is so, so long that he, he, he loves you forever. That's, that's an intense thought, that God loves you for, for eternal love. That God will never stop loving you. 
And that is not the love of people. Sometimes people can stop loving. But God's love is eternal. God's love is forever. God's love can be trusted because it is so long, it's forever. It says how high. If we stacked up all of our sins, it would be higher than the shard down at the London Bridge. I mean, after all, if you stacked up Michael Hart's sins, that would be a high pile right there. I mean, and then if you went all the way back to Sean Corrigan from Manchester and stacked up all of Sean's sins, even next to Paul Tunbridge, and stacked up his sins. Even that beautiful little smile, Beatrice. Even Beatrice sins. And if you stacked up all of Beatrice, God's love is high enough to overcome any sin. It is a lie from the devil to not believe there is a sin that can be overcome by the love of God. Don't let anyone tell you that. Don't let a Christian tell you that. Don't let the newspaper tell you that. Don't let the internet tell you that. God's love is high enough to overcome anything, any sin. Marital unfaithfulness, pornography, bitterness, impurity. God's love is high enough. Say God's love is deep enough. God's love is deep enough to heal any wound. God's love is deep enough to heal incest. God's love can heal that. God's love is deep enough to heal abandonment. God's love is deep enough. It can go deep enough to heal bitterness of heart. That's how deep God's love is. God's love is deep enough to heal racism. God's love is. God's love is deep enough to heal any situation. Any situation. That's God's love. I put before you, love is powerful. But love is, love is a powerful... I put before you, love is the most powerful thing. Turn to Song of Psalms, chapter 8. Song of Psalms, or Song of Solomon. In chapter 8 and verse 6, he says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. See, it's not only blaze fumba that should be on fire right there. Your love for God should be blazing. Verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And the church said, Wow. Love. Channeled in your relationship with God is the most powerful thing in the world. Channeled in your relationship with the world, if you love the world. Whew. And yet we know we, we, we are at a time where, where there's an intense love for the world. You know, it's sad to hear that here in the UK that gay marriage has now been approved by the Queen this week. And I read an article this week that talked about a, an individual who called a guy from Los Angeles, California, who was arrested for saying that homosexuality is a sin, that he needed to believe in gay marriage. And I, I thought about this. Well, I believe in gay marriage. Me and my wife are happily married. We're fired up. Happy. There's such a love for the world, and yet we need to love God. So I started thinking about just, just how... how the different songs that, that really highlight love. And I started thinking about some of the disciples. And I started thinking about uh, just, just 
Huey Lewis in the news. I'm an 80s child. And in the 80s, of course, Huey Lewis in the news, they, they, they had a song called The Power of Love. Remember that? That's the power of love. White guy with his soulful voice right there. And when I think about the power of love, I think about Martin and Teresa Scott. And just, just the, the, the power of their, their love for God. They, they, they moved all the way from Ireland, left their home, left their friends, because they longed to be with God and longed to be with God's people. That's the power of love. I thought about another song, but I thought about a couple of disciples. I thought about Yami Bello and MJ. Of course, I thought about the song by Nat King Cole. When I fall in love. In love with God, that is. In love with God. Of course, uh, I thought about Jeff and Tiffin right there. And, uh, of course, I thought about, uh, well, you know, in French, that would be what? Je t'aime. Right? Je t'aime. Je t'aime. En français, oui. And I thought about Van Morrison, have I told you lately that I love you? I thought about Nick and Hillary Donnelly right there. Now, many don't know that Hillary really is a black woman inside. They're an interracial couple as well. You didn't know that. Green when I thought about love, I thought about let's stay together right there. And love keeps you together. Of course, I thought about Shrina Turner and Leanne Turner right there. Now they're singles, but uh, I-, I thought about John Travolta and Olivia Newton. John, you're the one that I want. You're the you know, God, you're the one that I want. Of course, I thought about George and Angelica Grima. And of course, I thought about Diana Ross. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no river low enough to keep me from loving you. George has gone through a few things. And there's been no mountain high enough to stop him from his love for God. Same can be echoed for my sister Angelica. I thought about Blaze and Patricia Fumba. And of course, I thought about, I, I pictured Blaze in the airport in Lagos. <laughs> making that phone call to Patricia. And the song came to mind when thinking about love. Stevie Wonders, I just called to say, I love you. <laughs> Morgan right there. And uh, of course, you got to be tricky with this one right here. This is tricky right here. But, 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 but I, I thought of the Beatles right there. I want to hold your hand. That, that's them too. Love is so powerful. Do you love God? Turn to John chapter 21. Do you love God? In Greek in the Bible, there are three words for love. Eros, E-R-O-S. Phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. And then there's the third word, agape. Eros is a physical love. The love of a man and a woman. Phileo is the love of a friend. But then there's the love that Jesus has for us. There's the love that Jesus wants from us. That is agape love. That is a love that loves without condition. That is a love that loves while hurt. That is a love that loves even when things are uncertain. Agape love. That is the love God has for us. God's love is unconditional. God loves you. God doesn't just love you just because you're a disciple. You don't have to be a disciple to be loved by God. God loves those who are Mormon. 
God loves those who are Muslim. God loves those who are not here worshiping with us today. God, God, God's love is agape love. It is unconditional. He loves everybody. But just because God loves you doesn't mean you are saved. Does not mean you have a relationship with God. Because although his love is unconditional, a relationship with him is totally conditional. I mean, after all, my wife, she loves everyone here. She loves the brothers. She loves the sisters. She, she, she loves them. But there's only one who has that relationship right there. Amen? And there are some conditions on that relationship. John chapter 21. Do you love God? Verse 1. This is after the resurrection. Jesus is, is risen now. And he's, he, he comes to the disciples that he had a few conversations with for a few years. And, and he finds something interesting. In verse 1 it says, after, Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus. We remember Thomas, right? He doubts everything. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples... We're together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Hold it. What are they doing going out to fish? They should be going out to share. Yet at this particular time, it had been about two years. They went back to their old life. They went back to fishing. The life Jesus called them to leave, to come and follow him. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11 highlights that it had been about two years since they had been called by God to stop fishing and to come follow him. What happened is they fell out of love with God. And we come to a time where the disciples fell away and went back to their old life. Now, it's interesting because seven of the 12 guys were fishermen. Fishermen, fishermen are tough guys. Fishermen understand patience. Fishermen understand that you're not going to catch something right away. I mean, if you've ever gone fishing, you don't just put the line out there and whoop, a little fish jumps out, right? It takes time to catch a fish. Fish are scaly. Fish are slippery when you get them. I mean, that's what, that's what God compares. We're, we're, we can be slippery. Fish stink. <laughs> those fish. I mean, and rightfully so, sin stinks. But they went back to their old life. And the paradox is very interesting because, you know, fishermen aren't known for being quitters, and yet that's exactly what they had become. They quit loving God. And they were focused on their own life, their old life. They went back to it. You know, that, that's what happens when you fall out of love with God. You go back to who you were before you became a true disciple. You go back to thinking the way you thought. You go back to enjoying the things you enjoyed. You go back to your old life. And I know for me, my old life was wicked. Pornography on a daily basis. I cannot even explain how many immoral relationships I had gotten myself involved in. Lying at work, stealing at my business. I, I was so... And I called myself a Christian. Called myself a Christian, even though there was no power of the love of God in my life. What's interesting here is Peter is one of the guys that, that, that you know, you remember Peter. We'll follow you anywhere. That's what he said. Peter said, I'm ready to die for you in John chapter 13, verse 37. Peter said, I'll give up everything, go anywhere, and do anything for you in Mark chapter 10, verse 28. And of course, it was Peter. Remember, Peter was the guy who tried to machete the temple guard? They were standing there, and it was Peter. Whoosh! Takes the guy's ear off and was trying to kill him. And yet, here we have Peter. Having done all those things, he fell out of love with God. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore... But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Wow. They, they didn't even realize. They couldn't even see God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, when your heart is pure, you see God in the Bible. When your heart is pure, you see God. When he allows things to happen in your life, when there's a purity in your heart, they didn't even see God. 
called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Oh! <laughs> they answered. And the reason why is because apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the large number of fish. When the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him before he had taken it off. He jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. But they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, fish on it, and some bread. She said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon <laughs> climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. See, being like Jesus is having breakfast with the disciples right there. Having a little fish, fish breakfast right there. Since none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. You ever had that situation? You sit down with that person who is walking with God. You know they're going to ask you some tough questions, but you don't say anything. You just kind of enjoy the meal right there at D time, and you're just waiting. <laughs> When's he going to start asking me about our marriage? You, just, you don't say anything right there. That's where the disciples are at. Jesus came and took the bread, and he gave it to him. Did the same with the fish. It's now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Do you love me more than you love people? The word love in Greek that Jesus uses is agape. Do you agape love me? Do you love me unconditionally? No matter what you've gone through in your life, do you still love me? Do you love me without condition? Do you have an unconditional love for me? Do you agape love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I phileo you. I love you. The word for love here that Peter uses is phileo. It means to be a friend. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Agape love. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? Are you even my... He uses, Jesus uses the word phileo. Are you even my friend? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. I mean, that's so interesting to me. Who should be hurt? Jesus should be hurt. Yet when Peter is called to account... On his relationship with God, he gets hurt. You ever been there? Yeah. Someone starts asking you some tough questions about your relationship with God, and you get mad. Are you judging me? Don't judge me. Stop judging. Christians always judge. Isn't that a judgment? To say that? We can get hurt when someone wants to call us to account on our love for God, even in the church. morning I say love for God everybody's oh, yeah. <laughs> obviously we love God oh really <laughs> really well let's start going through your life let's start seeing how many lambs you're feeding let's start looking at your life example and talking about the love of God it's all about God are you guys with me here yeah. says do you love me he said Lord you know all things you know that I love you Jesus said feed my sheep I tell you the truth when you were younger you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And the church said, now this is a very intense thing because we know what happened to Peter. Peter was crucified. Peter, Peter, Peter died upside down on a cross. I mean, he didn't even think it was worthy to die right side up. When he died, he died upside down. And they killed him. Question. Do you love God? Or are you just a friend? Is God just your friend? Or do you really love him? 14 years old, I was abandoned by my mother. 
She became a drug addict overnight, literally. It felt like it overnight. For two years, I was a homeless child. By 17, I got my own apartment. I still managed to do well in school. So well that I actually got a scholarship to go to college, to go to university. I went to university, got out, took a job. I became the father for all three of my younger brothers. To this day, they still look at me as dad. Did well. Made $80,000 as a 20-year-old kid. Bought three brand new cars. Then I thought I found God because I had money. Isn't that funny how fired up about God you get when you have some money? Had some money. Well, God. Well, God is blessing me. And I thought that really my answers lied in having money. Not realizing that I'd really a lot of feelings about some of the things that had happened in my life. Bitterness, anger, rage drove me to some very dark areas. And when people sat down with me to read the scriptures with me, to call me to account on my walk with God, I, I, was, I was so, I was like Peter, I was so hurt, so challenged by it. Because see, what I'd been taught is all you got to do is just believe in Jesus and you're saved. Yet there's nowhere in the Bible that all you do is believe and you're saved. I had been raised and I'd been taught a lot of various things. That when you go to the Holy Bible, they're not even in the Bible. Now, they're, they may be good things, but if it's not in the Bible, you've got to go by the Word of God. And I'll never forget one individual looking me in the eye. And I'd been coming around the church for a long time. I was one of those individuals that came to church and brought visitors. Yet I didn't want to turn myself in. I didn't want to become a true disciple. And I remember one individual, I, I said, yeah, what is the problem? What's my issue? He said, the issue is very simple. I said, oh, is it the abuse, the things I've gone through in my past? Said, nope. It's the challenges. It's this, it's that. Nope. So what is it? You don't love God. You won't commit to God because you don't love him. Period. I got so ticked off. But I walked away and I went, he's right. But even though I said he's right, it still took the humbling of God. The humbling of God to help me turn myself in. Because see, I'd had so many things happen in my life. So much, so much wickedness in my family that I'd seen by individuals who claimed to be Christians. I just, I just used that to protect myself. Incest, immorality. I mean, it was just so bad in my family. It developed a lack of trust for people. I didn't trust people. After all, I've been abandoned. What kind of God abandons a kid? And it hurt me. It hurt me. I was so glad that I was able to become a true disciple. Able to have this kind of family. Able to have people from all nations. You remember when you were baptized? You remember that day when your heart was pure and you decided to fall completely and totally in love with God. You know, it's been great being here in, in, in London. And for some time, I, I've, I've, wow, I've, I, people say, wow, Michael, you, you have a story. What's awesome when God wants to remind you of how wide, how long, how deep his love is. And so what God did is he, he sent a man into my life named, named Rob. And God wanted to make it very clear. Rob's last name is Williamson. He literally is my brother, Ebony and Ivory, living in Kingdom Harmony right here. I'll never forget studying the Bible with Rob and, and Rob just opening up about his life and just the things that have happened to him, the tragedies, the disappointments. I couldn't, I, all I could do was cry. Because God brought someone into my life that, that, that really had a reason not to trust God. Had a reason to, to, to be guarded. He has gone through so much. Yet once he saw through the scriptures that he never became a true Christian biblically. Not emotionally. Emotionally, wow, he was in there. But emotions won't get you into heaven. Emotions don't get it done. Once he saw he wasn't a true Christian, biblically, he got broken, he cried, and he's a sold-out disciple today, Rob Williamson right there, amen? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? See, I, I, I've had to learn, despite what I've gone through, 
Jesus has gone through much more. And despite what I've gone through, God even will send people into your life, Michael, that have gone through even more than you. It's not about what you've gone through. It's about you loving God. Do you love God? Do you trust God? Psalm chapter 20, verse 7 says this. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In Psalm chapter 37 and verse 1, check this one out. It says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants that will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in your marriage. And it will give you all the desires of your heart. Oh, I'm sorry. Delight yourself in your children. For they will give you all the desires of your heart. Oh, okay. Delight yourself in your work. For it will give you all the desires of your heart. No. It doesn't say delight yourself in uni. Delight yourself in work. Delight yourself in... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your case will, like noonday sun, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. And that is so true, isn't it? For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And the church said, what a powerful scripture. We got to trust God. In Psalms 56 and verse 3. It says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Where do you put your trust when you're afraid? Do you trust your religious experience? Do you trust yourself? Do you put your trust in leaders? Do you put your trust in people? Or do you put your trust in the Lord? Now, we need to trust our leaders, amen? We need to trust people. But our, our, our true trust needs to be anchored in God. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to one another. No. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. And the church said, it says, pour out your heart to God. You know what we do sometimes? We go from individual to individual looking for people that understand how we feel. And we feel fired up. Oh, I like her. She understands me. You see the Latin sisters, they're connected. Oh, I love, I like him. He understands me. He's Nigerian. I'm from Yoruba tribe. Yoruba tribe. We understand each other. (laughs) Oh, he understands me. The English brothers are connected right there. But you know what? No one really understands you but God. That's right. That's, That's the only one who really, deeply, really understands you. He is... We're refuge. Paul says, if God is with us, who can be against us? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Trust is something we deal with every day. We deal with it on a daily basis. We walk across the street. We trust that the driver in that lorry is not trying to kill us. You, got, you, got, you just trusted the Lord. He's not trying to kill me. I know it, he just came past me right there, but he wasn't trying to, I, I trust You trust that the food that's served to you in restaurants by the server who just walked out of the bathroom, you trust that he washed his hands before he gave you that bag of chips. You trust. We drop our kids off at school, entrusting them to the care of the organizations that report some of the atrocities that we are on our way to work, read about in the newspaper right there. We trust. Yes, the kiss of goodbye does require some courage nowadays. Kiss the kids and then she's going to be... 
but we trust. You see sisters and they get ready to get married right there. And they want to find their bridesmaids dress. They find seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, fifteen opinions. Sis, what do you think? 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 And everybody's just figuring out what everybody thinks right there. Does this match my skin? I've seen sisters do it. They go from person to person. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah, let me talk to her though. Trust. You go see the doctor, he tells you you need to have some medical work. First thing you do is you go see another doctor. And after you see that doctor, you go see another doctor. I mean, do I have to get that surgery? Trust. I started thinking about it. I was like, wow, society as a, the world can't function without trust. You can't even have, we can't even have a, (laughs) we can't even live without trust. Got to trust. We've got to trust. We've got to, we've got to trust. We got to trust that the bus driver is not trying to kill us. We got to trust there's no salmonella in the food that you just got from the restaurant. We we just got to trust. Why aren't people joining us from our former fellowship? I don't trust God anymore. They've begun to love that Babylonian lifestyle. They began to love comfort and not love God. They began to love relationships over the word of God. And you stop trusting God. Why do people fall away from God? They stop trusting God. They stop trusting God. Maybe it's a single who who stops trusting that God is going to find you a husband God is going to find you a wife, and, and you begin to envy the world. And you start trusting in that. Maybe it's a marriage. And your hope and your trust is in the marriage and not in God, and it takes 10 years before you figure that on out right there. And so you can start losing hope in God because of your marriage. Anytime your marriage makes you not love God, that, that's weird. That's, that's something wrong about that equation. I had to figure that out about myself. How is my marriage making me have an attitude with God? What did God do? Why is my hope in my marriage and not in God? There's something wrong with what I worship. We've got to trust God. Why do people get baptized? They trust God. They trust God. Why did Susie get baptized two weeks ago? She got baptized. She put her trust in God and got baptized. Amen? Amen. Why did David get baptized last week in the park right there? Well, not in the park at our place, but he trusts God. The Bible says love is unconditional. The Bible says love always trusts. Trust always loves. We trust with conditions. That's what we do. We trust with conditions. My wife is submission to me. I trust that everything is going all right. The moment I'm not in control, I can't, I can't, we lose our trust. The wives, as soon as he's being very nice and very humble, he's very sweet. As soon as he talks to me and he listens to everything I got to say, as soon as my husband becomes a girlfriend, then I trust his submission. <laughs> flesh. Husbands like caves. Husbands don't like talking about everything because husbands make bad girlfriends. They make good husbands, but they're terrible girlfriends. If your expectation of your husband, you want him to be nice and sweet and all this, all these things, that's, that's exactly what a sister, sisters crank that area. But we, we, we grunt. We go into our cave. We, we conditions on our trust. If my husband is cranking, I'll submit to him. My wife's submission. But you've got to trust God no matter what. You've got to trust God. Questions for you. Do you trust when you're troubled? Do you trust God? Do you trust God when you go through trials? When you go through things, do you still trust God? trust God for your protection. 
Sometimes we can trust our emotions and we can fight for things that aren't for us to be fighting for. God can fight your battles. Do you trust God with your money? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You guys still with me this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Check out what Paul says here. It's so powerful to see what, what God has done in our, in our movement. Of course, the church in Los Angeles just had their, their, their uh, 20 times mission goal a few weeks ago, and they raised over 600,000 U.S. dollars for the glory of God to plant churches around the world. Is that not powerful? That, that, that's, that's a church that loves God. That's a church that trusts God with their finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8 says, I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that though, so that through his poverty might become rich. And the church said, compared. Paul said, I I, I want to test your sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Is the London church ready to sacrifice to send out the church in Ireland? Well, Jock is. Is the London church ready? Is the London church ready to sacrifice to send a church to Nigeria? Is the London church ready to sacrifice to send a church to Germany? Is the London church ready for that? Can God test the sincerity of our love by comparing it to the love of our brothers who are already doing it? You know, we did a great job with raising our, our, our special missions contribution here. Amen. And by faith, once, once we come back from the, the, the Global Leadership Conference, we're going to be hiring some young people. We're going to be hiring some young people. That's a good thing. Your love for God is shown in, in, in your giving. In your giving. And one of the things I've backed away from, from really addressing is, is our heart for giving. Because although we had that great victory with our, our, our missions contribution, on a weekly basis, we've been falling short in our weekly giving to the Lord right there. And the question is, do, do you really love God? Do you really love God? When you love God, you, you, you invest in the kingdom of God. You know that giving is giving to God, but you know that, that, that if God wants the whole world to be saved, that... that You want people in all those countries that have the same heart you have so the gospel spreads in this generation. As I look out, I see individuals, and you have relatives in other cities, other countries, that need to know the gospel. And I tell you what, we are the the pillar church here in in Europe, and it can be done. But we've got to trust God with our finances. We've got to trust God. Lastly, we got to love one another. We've got to love one another. John chapter 34, or John chapter 13. give you love one another as I have loved you so as long as you feel close to that person love one another no it says so you must love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another How did Jesus love us? He died for us. 
Are we willing to die for each other? Are we willing to die for each other? I mean, seriously, let's ask a serious question this morning. Do, Do we love each other enough to die for one another? The only way this world will be evangelized is if we love one another. You know what that means? That means we're going to hurt one another. That means we're going to disappoint one another. That means we're going to offend one another. That means we're going to let down one another. That means we're going to be confused about what each other are talking. What are you talking about, bro? But if we hold on to the conviction that no matter what, we will love one another. We will evangelize the nations in one generation. Sadly, in our former fellowship, we said this, but we failed to do this. We put hurt, we put anger, we put We put everything else above the command to love one another. And there are many that fell away and and are no longer with us because of that. And we still got to love them. But I put before you, we've got to love one another no matter what. Question for you. Any quiet reservations with any of your brothers or sisters? Anybody in the church that you go, oh, I like that person. <laughs> you ever been there? I've been there before. I'm like, I look at somebody, I'm like, oh, I love, oh, I love, oh, I love. <sighs> I like you, bro. I like you. And you got to work on that. We can't just like one another. We got to love one another. That, that's what it's all about. It's not about just liking one another. We got to love one another. If you have somebody that you only like in the fellowship, you got to repent. You got to repent. I mean, how can you only like Mama Kukoya? I mean, after you have one of these chocolate cakes, you can't see Mama Kukoya and go, oh, I like her. No, you got to love Mama Kukoya. Enough to tell Mama Kukoya even the truth. That's real love. We've got to love one another. It's gotten back to me that. that, that we just gotta we gotta protect what we have here, guys. What we have is very special. And so in conclusion, do you love God? Do you trust God? And I want to call you to love one another. To God be the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you'd like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot UK. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one